What's up, and welcome to the Crude Oil Podcast, a weekly uncensored Edmonton Oilers podcast with your hosts, Sean and Greg. Well, just like that, the Battle of Alberta is over in five games. Did you have that at all, Sean? I certain. Well, I feel like if you ask anybody, people would have said, yeah, like I could see it in five games, but not with Edmonton winning in five games. Unbelievable unbelievable i know we're gonna get into it you and i both had some very different perspectives for game five um we'll get to that eventually uh but i i was walking like away from game five just absolutely in shock i was unbelievably excited i feel like i was shaking and i could not fall asleep afterwards that's for sure (laughs) Probably made the drive pretty easy when you were just wired for the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess uh, burying the lead a little bit, Sean went to Rogers for the uh, watch party, which sounds looked like it was a hell of a time. Um, and I kind of just made the impulse decision to drive to Calgary to go to game uh, game five in person. So uh, we'll get into that in a little bit, but uh, I'm not going to forget this episode. We'll, we'll start off with some plugs yeah let's uh let's get those plugs in if uh you have any questions for the podcast or if you have your opinion and want it to be heard feel free to message us on twitter or uh comment on our youtube um anything like that and we'll include it in the mailbag the one thing i just wanted to build off of that and it's probably a good housekeeping note we're gonna rely on you guys heavily in the next couple weeks because there's lots of hockey to talk about um and then I guess there's the personal side that I'm not even going to be in this continent next week. So when we do record, if we have extra time to fill and want to get some um, uh, perspectives in, like uh, th- this is your opportunity to, to reach out, get your thoughts in. We'll try to address that. Uh, I, I'm actually heading to uh, the UK for two weeks. Shitty time. Like what, what was I thinking? That was poor planning. I know. I Honestly, we booked the trip when... Uh, Edmonton was in the middle of their what two and sixteen run in in January, thinking like there's no shot we'd be here. You should have just believed. What yeah. were you thinking? I know, very uh, very much a rookie mistake. But uh, so we're we're gonna try our best to make all of uh, the podcast work and you know jump through the hoops of technology. But uh, that's a week away, and I have no idea what the hell that's gonna look like. So just wanted to uh, to put that out there. Uh, lots to talk about this episode, Sean. Uh, we'll go through game four and game five, and then we'll jump into the next round of opponents being the, the Colorado Avalanche. But uh, um, yeah, before we get any further, let's just jump in game four, uh, Edmonton and uh, in Calgary in the game of Alberta. Game of Alberta? Battle of Alberta. Jesus. Welcome to the head? game of Alberta. Oh, my head's in the right spot today. <laughs> Man, that just, that game four really had me on a roller coaster, as all of these games seem to. Mm-hmm. Like, as much as Edmonton came out and played great with the three goals in the first period, you cannot argue with that. They still somehow managed to get outshot every time. I don't know if they got outchanced. I didn't look that up, but like in terms of high danger chances. But I don't know how they only got nine shots and three goals. But I guess that's the the glorious goaltending of Jacob Markstrom. <laughs> What a gaff right off the bat to, like, Calgary needed to come out and have an extremely strong start, which is something they'd done really the whole uh, um, series, rather. And then just that little gaff 21 seconds in from Markstrom, I couldn't believe that. Now shades of Smith right there. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's exactly what I thought. Um, so, yeah, it, they got the quick bingo right off the hop, and then um, it, they just kept pouring it on. like Pouring it on, you say? Just in terms of goals. Pouring it on. What? I've heard that so many times. Oh, really? i got to stop listening to the Nielsen show. Oh, my God. Oh, okay. All they do is yell pour it on all t- the okay, time. Okay, see, I don't listen to that, so that's I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> it's just ingrained in my brain now. I can't get it out. Between that and being goalied, that seems to be the new hot thing to say, I guess. Apparently. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, <laughs> the Oilers find a way to take a 3 nothing lead. Uh, do you want to get into the goals themselves? Um, I know Hyman had that uh, the the power play goal. I mean, shocker! Kane and Hyman both scoring in well the first period. It didn't take them that long. Well, the Kane goal especially like that was just a, like it was bad luck, obviously. Mm-hmm. But they shouldn't leave Kane that open in the first place and have to get. Uh, I think it was Zadorov who had a desperation dive and just tipped it perfectly up in the corner. 
but like that's their own fault. I think that's been or was rather the worst part about Calgary's entire series is their defense had horrendous positioning the entire time. Like I know Markstrom did not play well and he needed to play better, but I would argue that their defense was significantly worse than uh, their goaltending because Markstrom kept them in it at times. He made some huge saves, even in, especially in this game. Yeah, you got to wonder. Like you look at Markstrom's stats and save percentage, and I don't know if you can attribute all of that to him like he made some questionable or he let in some questionable goals but I don't like to your point I don't know if you can blame all of that save percentage on him well part of it too it's the same with quick in uh, the first years against LA quick had garbage stats if you looked at the stats without context but quick kept them in that series the entire time and he's like the only reason why they were it took Edmonton as far as they did so, and I think that's the same thing here where Edmonton might get low shots, but that's more so because I think they're just more of a transition team and don't generate a lot of shots. That's not the way that they play and it never really has been. Yeah. Yeah. So remarkably, the Oilers come out uh, with a three, nothing lead in the first period after uh, being outshot 13 and nine. I don't know about you, but like after that first period, I was very nervy it was nice to have a three nothing lead but it didn't feel safe and i don't know what it was i think well it's part of part of it is that they didn't really outplay calgary per se in that first period they just outchanced them and capitalized while calgary they had some good chances too that smith stopped but i don't know i think that's part of it is that it felt more lucky than it did as if we outplayed them and we're like confident going into the second period Mm -hmm. yeah so heading into the second as soon as calgary got that um, that power play. There's just something sitting inside me. It kind of knew that uh, it was going to be answered. Uh, kudos to Lindholm on that shot. That thing was a rocket upstairs. Like, that made it up and in quick. Um, Lindholm, that's one thing from this series. Like, I think this year was kind of his coming out party, especially with his Selkie nod that he got. Yeah. But, like, I never really thought of him as anything more than an add-in into that Hamilton trade where they got him in Hannafin. Mm-hmm. Um, but he really came into his own and he was a number one center this year on whatever the amount of times I've heard best line in hockey for that line. <laughs> nice best line in hockey, Calgary. What the fuck was that? But yeah, Lindholm was really good. He was definitely the best of those, their big three on forwards in this whole series. Uh, yeah, they're, they're big three. Um, I would definitely agree. And right afterwards, honestly, switching from their best player. I think their overall best player the entire series was Michael Backlund. Oh, far and away. I yeah. think he played great. Like I I don't understand because I looked at the matchup time because um Sutter said he doesn't like playing matchups. Right. He doesn't play the matchup game, which I think really was a detriment to them in this series because he barely matched the back of the line up against the McDavid line, which I think would have done way better than that top line did because Johnny Goudreau doesn't play defense. As seen on that beautiful overtime goal in the next oh, game shit. that we'll I get was, to. I was going to pick on him for that. Um, yeah, so speaking of Backlund, he had that uh, that beautiful drive to the net and just threw it on. Like, it. that's his uh, that's his go-to. And we'll get into the exact same move he pulled in Game 5, but uh, they get the, the 3-2 goal. I don't think the Oilers played fantastic in the second. You could start to feel the momentum shift. It was actually funny because... Uh, you and I were texting in, at the first intermission, and you're just like, they're playing too shitty defense. You were like Nostradamus there. I think you, you saw this coming from a mile away. I mean, it's the way, like, I don't even like when they get out to a huge lead because they just play on their heels. Uh, That's like the classic Edmonton thing to do. And once they start getting hemmed, then they really just, like, struggle. I think it was in this game. I watched Pugliarvi, like, somebody was, somebody was, like, on Twitter, and they're like, he has, like, three block shots this period. That's great. <laughs> but all three of them came from him failing to get the puck out of the zone and them getting him, like, his line getting hemmed in for, like, a minute or more. So, I, like, block shots, yeah, it's a cool stat. Chris Russell leads the NHL history in block shots. But the reason for that is because he's in the defensive zone so much. So that's not necessarily a stat you want to be at the top of. Back to your point about Pugliarvi, I think if you're looking at his overall series, I think that's the one area where he's the biggest liability is chipping that puck out of his own end. Well, he just panics with the puck, yeah. as do a lot of Edmonton's defensemen. Like, that's my biggest pet peeve is hiding off the glass and out. It drives me batshit insane. <laughs> the amount of times I've seen Keith do that in this series makes me want to throw up. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, jumping into the third, uh, the next goal, I'm just staring at the goal summary. When Edmonton had the power play, I was like, okay, here's a chance to kind of pad the lead, 
settle down. You could feel like them slipping away. And then Rasmus. Kudos to Markstrom first for making that huge save on dry settle like seconds before this. Yes, yeah, that is that's uh, that's something you have to definitely. Acknowledge. He, I have to give him all the kudos that he gets the chance to get because he doesn't get a lot. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, if it wasn't for that save, we wouldn't have had that that goal from Rasmus Anderson. I I just sat there in silence for probably two minutes. I remember yelling "What the fuck" at the top of my lungs, and just being lost. Uh, but at least we get to look at it now and just meme the shit out of that goal. Oh and my. even Smith is like, "Well, we can laugh at it now because we got out of the game." But do you like when you saw saw him throw his hands up? Like, do you think he was trying to blame anybody? No, do you think he, was he just... just didn't know where it was. I think he lost it in the crowd when they like when he shot it, and right. once he lost that puck, he just didn't see it, and maybe he was b- blaming other people in the sense that they didn't like warn him because he didn't see it but i don't know he needs to be focusing a little bit more maybe he was kind of chilling because he was like oh yeah we have a power play i'm not going to worry too much about it yeah i don't know if he just didn't get time to get set or if he was a little bit in la la land he definitely wasn't set if you looked at him he was back in his net like gloves in the corners pads in the corners had no fucking clue where the puck was yeah yeah, definitely a tough one. Uh, so from that point, I was like, ah, this doesn't feel good. But I, I think the Oilers did a good job of bouncing back. Um, hey, this game should have been a 2-2 game. Because people like to talk about that Smith one because it's hilarious. But Markstrom had that fuck up in the first period. I guess. Yeah, that's so, a good way to put it. I don't know if I texted you about it, but I was like, would you rather give up that shitty goal in the first 20 seconds or the tying goal by Smith? Like, which one would... Ooh. I think with Edmonton, the first one would have been more deflating. At least as them as a team, because they... I mean, when suck you suck in the first period, and Smith's done bad saves in the first period multiple times this series. And when you consider how the first two games have gone, um, that to have that same thing happen again, I, I yeah, I don't know. I perhaps it happened the way it's supposed to pan out. I don't know because well, I say that in hindsight because we won now, but yeah, no. But my point is just like if if you let in the stinker that they did, is that was that the point where they're like, oh shit, like we gotta pull up our socks? I don't know. I think it it was good by everybody on the team because they all kind of realized that they needed to, like you said, pull up their socks and focus and be like, this game is still going. And I give kudos to that team for really battening down the hatches and pulling out that game because Oilers team, even last year, I think would have like crumbled under that pressure after that goal. Mm-hmm. I think they, they did do a good job of, of bouncing back there. The, the kind of shovel from Nugent Hopkins to the game winner like it was bananas in the house like I was I was losing my marbles it was one thing where the Oilers got a three nothing lead at the start of the game you felt the momentum slip entirely in into Calgary's favor but after they got that fourth goal I was like it's it's slights like it's there's no way you're gonna lose a three nothing lead and then find a way to get the lead again and lose it I just know it's funny you say that because the night after this game Colorado did just that yeah, when McKinnon <laughs> got the four three goal, and then St. Louis scored with like thirty seconds left, and then St. Louis won in overtime. So yeah. after watching that, I was like, "Wait, this could have been us." <laughs> and then to close it out, I mean the the penalty right there at the end of the game that didn't do any favors at all. So who got the actual penalty? It was was it Coleman? No, it was Anderson who got the penalty. I thought it was Coleman, but he was in the scrum, and Coleman looked pissed afterwards. So I guess I thought it was him at the time because uh, I remember yelling "fuck you, Coleman" at the moment because he pissed me and pissed me off enough this series. It sucks because like I used to be a Devils fan for a long time. They were just kind of my second team during our days of darkness because I was like, I cannot <laughs> handle this. I need a East team to watch too. But so I like I really fell in love with Coleman because he's like the Hyman kind of type player, except he's just a little bit edgier and dirtier. Um, so seeing him on Calgary, though, makes me absolutely hate his guts and see how much of a little rat he can be <laughs> and how much he complains. I was going to say the thing that bothers me enough or the most about him is just how much he whines. Oh, man, he whines so much. It's like after every whistle, even if it's like in their favor, like he just bitches and moans about everything. I don't understand. Maybe it's just his face and his facial expression just looks so whiny, but it reminded me of young Crosby just out there <laughs> crying his eyes out. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Kane kind of buries any chance Calgary had of coming back. Um, 
and the Oilers actually escaped with a 5-3 win in Game 4. So, I mean, it, it's something that you said in, in our, I think it was our last podcast, where you go on the road, you try to get the split, you come back home, you take both games at home, and all of a sudden you've got a 3-1 lead. Well, the phrase that you always hear um, is, you're not in trouble until you lose at home. Yeah. So... Calgary went and lost at home and they were in trouble. They should have been more concerned when we pulled out game two, I think, out of them. They were like, oh, we'll take one from Edmonton. But I think they kind of came into these games pretty lackadaisically, honestly. Like, they didn't play like a team that cared. Well, and even Daryl Sutter's comments after the game made him sound defeated when he's like, oh, maybe, like, maybe our team's doing everything that we can do and Edmonton's just better. No, they're just doing it better. It's like that's not what your team would probably want to hear. Yeah, it sounds like just an excuse. Yeah, that's a defeated. That's a defeated coach right there. Yeah, like in hockey, even if the other team's better, you can outwork them. Yeah, especially a Sutter team, he should be aware of that. And I think Calgary probably had the horses to outwork Edmonton if they put their minds to it. But I feel like a lot of their players didn't show up. Yeah, so uh, that was my thought heading into Game Five. What Calgary uh, team is going to show up because they were. Flat-footed the last game. They're on the ropes. Yeah, I will talk. This is something, like, I'll be honest. I had to come home and rewatch the game because <laughs> I didn't process a lot of the stuff. There was a lot of things that you didn't get the insights. Like, we'll we'll get into it eventually, but, like, the, the uh, reviewed goal, like, no fucking clue what they were reviewing for. Like, yeah, nothing at all. They didn't really say, like, well, at first it's funny because they were reviewing it and they're like zooming in on the blue line they're like is it offside? yeah because nobody knew and then like i ate we'll get into it okay. let's wait till we get <laughs> yeah. to the because i'll sit here and talk about this for a while yeah I, i've got a we got to build up thoughts to there um so uh from my experience it's kind of cool just to see everything that was going on in game um i'll never be able to afford to go to a goddamn oilers playoff game so i had to take what i could get i've already been looking at colorado games because i got a couple buddies who are colorado fans <laughs> and there's, it's just stupid it is it really is um but it, it was a loud a loud arena everybody was ready and i think calgary jumped off it was edmonton just seemed really um loosey-goosey with the puck and they weren't really like slowing things down I don't know what your uh, thoughts were. It just felt like Edmonton was trying to rush the play too much, yeah, especially in their own end. That that period was kind of just a neutral zone shit show. Mm-hmm. And like, there's a reason why there was only 11 shots total in that period because it was just turnover after turnover going both ways. Like, no team could get any sustained pressure, could get any shots on net. It just wasn't working at all. Yeah. And like, I think the only reason why Calgary had five shots is because they had the power play from McDavid's high stick, yeah. which was pretty blatant. I always like I always want to get mad at high sticks, but I'm like, but it's so obvious. It's so hard to get mad. Like <laughs> I that's know. the only one that they always call because it's super obvious when the guy like gets hit with a stick in the face and throws his head back. Well, and, and you saw his reaction too. Like he knew right away there was no argument, just oh, yeah. straight off. Well, nobody really argues high sticks unless your name's Blake Coleman, but <laughs> but just taking a step back, the Majapani goal. I think Edmonton. This is something they're going to need to clean up, especially with Colorado coming in next round. But the collapse down low with their defensemen and not having that that center support or a drop-down winger support left Mangiapane all alone. Like, there's so many goals that they scored this series, Calgary, that it was just the throw-out to the slot and just a one-timer and in. Yeah, it's kind of like they're right in the... Uh, not one of the... They're in the trapezoid behind the net, right? Yeah. And... There, from there, they just pass it out to a guy coming down from the top of the circle on either side, and he just gets a clear like one-time shot from there. I'm, I don't know why Edmonton doesn't do that more, because mm. especially because McDavid likes to hang out there, and they did do that in one of the games. I think it was Keith scored that goal, and then I think Nurse's goal in this game was yeah. that similar thing. Like Clearly it works, and they have the defense who can activate with Nurse and Bouchard, so I don't know why they don't do it more often. Yeah, well... So after that goal scored and then the McDavid penalty, Edmonton I thought was actually pretty lucky to come out with a one nothing um, deficit. But Calgary scores five minutes into the the second and it's two nothing. And well, my that was Backlund's going, little tip, right? That yes. he just had a stick and it just perfectly went up into the corner. That was the nicest tip I've seen in a long time. I feel I w- I think I was screaming at the time how lucky it was because that seemed a little absurd for that <laughs> to go perfectly up in the corner. That I think it was a little bit of luck in there. But. Oh, definitely. But a good positioning by Backlund. Good job getting his stick on the puck. I think he had one hand on his stick at the time. <laughs> but that's, again, kudos to Backlund in this series, too. He played yeah, great, he played and his... he was far and away their best player, I would say. Nobody else even really came close. Yeah. So 
they score the the two nothing goal, and I uh, in my head I'm like they have to get the next one. They have to. There's no um, there's no excuse, and that's when it kind of started. Edmonton comes back with Darnell Nurse, and uh, he got that shot from the point. It was fun to I, I, whoever got that camera angle where it showed just um, the end to end kind of view where you saw the screen in front. Like no fucking chance for Markstrom. No, he had no clue where that puck was. So. Yeah, it was, it was nice to cut the lead in half, and then you could feel the momentum start to swing. Um, and uh, Swing it did. <laughs> swing it did. Uh, Hyman comes in down the uh, lane about halfway through the, the second period, fires the shot. Now, where I was sitting in the Saddle Dome was the opposite view of the TV. Yeah. So when I saw the shot, I saw it hit Markstrom's glove, and I sat there. And I swear to God, I thought it sat there for like a minute before Pugliarvi tapped that in. It was I think just it was sit- trickling in, wasn't it? I yeah, I think it might have been moving there, uh, but it felt like a lifetime had passed. <laughs> it was, it was just very nice to to get it evened up and then just take a deep breath. It's weird how a Pugliarvi crashing the net actually gets a goal, <laughs> and he uses his big frame to reach over Markstrom and tap that in. He needs uh, to do that more. Like he doesn't drive the net for a big man, and it drives me nuts. Yeah, so that was really nice to see. Well, and you got to wonder what that does to his confidence. Well, I hope it go is good for his confidence going into the next series. That's for sure. For sure. Because, like, um, I think it was the end of game four. He was playing with um, Nuge and Hyman. But then they bumped him off that line once it was a tie game and put Yamamoto there, who was imperative to score that 4-3 goal in game four. So yeah. good move by Woodcroft on there. But I was wondering how that would feel for Pugliarvi. But it looks like he was back on that line in game five. So it seems more of a let's stack the top two lines situation when they do that. So mm. as long as they don't like yo-yo him too much, because I think Pugliarvi needs to consistently play with one player and I'm happy he's not playing with McDavid. Yeah. Not because like he can't or anything like that. I just think it's not good for him in terms of he just has to play against the best defensemen, the best forwards, like their shutdown forwards all the time if he's playing with him. Right. Yeah. So him playing with Nuge and Hyman kind of opens that up so they can play against lesser competition yeah i like where he sits there with uh with those two guys um so my next question to you is how nuts was rogers when hyman scored the next goal i was losing my fucking mind yeah for my voice is still kind of gone right now if i try to do any any anything anything high-pitched um my voice just cracks and the day afterwards i could not talk i was the exact same i was like whispering to try and get anything out (laughs) You're going through puberty all over again. Your oh, voice brutal. cracking. I was trying to yell at my dog to get him to come in. So I'm like trying to yell in a high pitched voice, here. and it's like, come, come here, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it it was crazy, but that was kind of the start of like the what the fuck is happening. Oh man, um, my brain hurt after this. Like this next like three minutes, I could not handle what was going on. I literally thought I was going to die. Yeah, after- my heart palpitations were out of control. So you had a goal, what is it, four goals in the span of... A minute and 15 seconds or so? Yeah, yeah, ridiculous. Uh, Goudreau's goal, wrap around, that's on Smith. You got to have the pad down on that. I, good shot from Johnny to just fire it on net. Um, but I don't know, I thought that was kind of something that the, that, uh, the Oilers goalie could have had. I mean, there's a few of those, and that would have been a pretty nice save to have when it was 15 seconds after Edmonton just scored. That seems to be a big thing with Edmonton, is they suck at, like, coming back after a goal, usually. Mm-hmm. Like, they always, not always, they get scored on quite a bit right after scoring a goal. And I've never really understood that. Maybe it's because the McDavid line generally just scored, and they come off the ice, and one of our other lines has to go out, and that might impact that, where their top line gets to come out against one of our lesser lines, but... Yeah. Well, so they, they get that bounce back goal to even things up and then Callie Yarncrook gets the the uh go ahead goal. I I I don't know. It looked really weird. Did it hit like uh their defenseman took a shot and it took a really weird hop, right? Yeah, like, I think so. Cause I thought it was so strange that the puck just popped right onto his stick there. Um Yeah, I think I need to rewatch that goal <laughs> some more. I just remember it going back to the point, and I think it got deflected on the way, and it popped out right into him in the slot, and it's just a shot that I don't think Smith was set for. Um, it was basically like a, a second opportunity that you know he didn't expect to even have. So. Smith isn't set quite a bit. So. 
he's he's what 40 years old yeah <laughs> yeah okay yeah i just watched it so it was like a shot by zadorov that got blocked and then yeah. kind of popped up and landed right onto uh yarn stick so it, like he probably was set for the zadorov shot dropped down and then couldn't reset in time after it dropped in front of yarn because nobody knew where it was yeah well so when it happened my next thought was like well what can we expect and just the way the goals were coming off um i I wasn't surprised that Bouchard scored, what, 30, 41 seconds later. Like, it was just... There's no such thing as defense, no such thing as goaltending, only goals. Oh, my God. But a rocket of a shot off the post and in. Um, he's got to shoot the puck more, man. Like, he's going to put up a lot of goals. When, like, I think he does shoot the puck a lot, but a lot of them hit shit pads because he dusts it off. So when he one-times it, that's where he kind of thrives. And that Bouchard goal, I just watched it right now, and it does go off the skates right after he shoots it, so it almost got blocked. Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, that was a weird tip. It kind of fluttered. It didn't look like it changed too, too much, but just enough to go over, I think it went over the pad off the post and in. But, yeah. He um, was, like, Markstrom was incredibly screened there, so I don't think he was going to save it anyways unless it was going right into his chest, but. Yeah. Well, Puck's in traffic. That's, uh, <laughs> that's been kind of the, the success to, uh, the Oilers lately when they when they're getting those point shots through the only um, way that they're able to score if it's not a transition goal that's the only way is a point shot either deflects in off a player or takes a weird bounce and but that's play of hockey they need to score those dirty goals and their defense needs to get more involved well and one thing that I kind of hope that everyone can finally put to fucking bed is the thought that the Oilers can't score five on five yeah I think this series especially as well really since Woodcroft has taken over that that's not that's, a problem yeah. anymore that was just the tippet curse i guess <laughs> but i think they struggled with that under mcclellan too but i don't know tippet never was able to figure that out the only thing he him and his team did really was find a way to get our special teams to be good and yeah that i think the reason tippet lasted as long as he did is because our special teams were so good <laughs> um because that five on five play was not going to get this team anywhere and you need five on five in the playoffs oh absolutely we only had one power play in this game yeah like, and I think we scored on it. We did. But, we did. like, it's so frustrating to watch that happen. And, like, I don't care that they had two and we had one, but I just want it to be even. Yeah. At least somewhat. Or four to three. Like, they essentially had twice as many power play opportunities as us, right? So mm. it feels wrong, I guess. <laughs> All right. Third period. It was tight checking the whole kind of way. The only thing I think we need to discuss is the uh, the six-minute mark. <laughs> Backlund drives the net. Unless there's anything else you want to discuss, I think we could talk about this for five, ten yeah, minutes. Yeah, I think so. we need to talk about it. All right, so Backlund drives the net. Um, very much a la game four. Um, the puck was went off Smith and was trending towards the net, and Coleman drives in and scores. Um, initial thoughts, I, we, I mentioned it before. Like I didn't know what the hell they were reviewing. I thought it was... Inter, uh, interference or I thought it was offside. One of the two. I, I don't know what your thoughts were when you first saw the... the My goal. immediately immediately thoughts were that it was in. I didn't even think about a kick. And oh. I was just disappointed. Mm-hmm. And then they started reviewing it. And I was like, okay, well, it must have been offside. Because mm-hmm. once again, I wasn't even thinking about the kick. It didn't look like goaltender interference. And then all of a sudden they were zooming in on it. And the first few angles they showed made me think like, no, that wasn't a kick. Like... Um, and then there was the one angle that was up to the right of it where it like looks like a blatant kick or at least extension of the leg to like push the puck into the net. And I think that's eventually what they all decided. And I think the NHL's even come out and officially said like that yes, that's the angle, that's what we saw. That is a like a distinct kicking motion. So personally, like I think I understand where they're coming from. If that was Edmonton who scored, I would have been fucking livid that they really? didn't count it. See, I think... That's obviously biased, so I know where Calgary fans are coming from. That's yeah. more that what I'm saying. Yeah. Is like, if they're people are mad about it, I get it. Mm-hmm. If that was game seven in a tie game, I would have been, like, livid. But the yeah. outrage I see all over Twitter and everything where Calgary fans were like, this is the reason we lost the series. Those people <laughs> are fucking delusional. This... Well, I saw someone sync up the, uh, the disallowed goal in 2004. <laughs> almost the exact same play with the same I think there's an extra minute left in the third in that game but um <laughs> my thoughts like I I didn't know it, uh, it took me like a couple times to sit down and 
and uh, watch it closely. But the one thing that the NHL needs to do a better job of is describing these rules because everyone keeps talking about a distinct kicking motion. Well, and, like when you think of it, it's a forward kick. Like that's what your brain thinks is a forward kick where you're rotating at the knee to kick the puck, right? But the rule isn't isn't like just a distinct kicking motion. It's any body motion that propels the puck forward. Yeah, well, that's just the more like term that everybody uses, right? But you you, you can't headbutt the puck in. You can't punch the puck. You can't fucking hump the puck in the net. Oh, like I, any... I'm still mad. There was that uh, Andrew Shoggle where he headbutted the puck into the net that never counted, and I was like, that sucks because that was great. <laughs> Like, but it makes sense. You can't redirect the puck into the net distinctly. Any motion of any kind, that's not your stick. That's pretty much all it comes down to. It's like the, uh, I think it was the LA goal where he like cross-checked the puck into the net. And they're like, okay, that's okay. Yeah. So I get where they're coming from, but I still understand why they're mad. But the people who blame that, if your team's down 3-1 in a series and you're blaming the single goal, on the fact that you lost the series, then yeah, you're delusional. You had overtime to try and score too, and you still didn't. Yeah, I don't so. think I don't think that uh, that goal changed the series. Uh, you can say it's it's a biasy take from my end, but it, it it's one thing if he uses his inside leg to stop, which is the only fucking explanation I can hear from a Calgary Flames fan. Like they say, oh, was, he was just trying to stop. Yeah. How the fuck are you stopping on your outside leg, on your outside edge, driving towards the net? That is your weakest point of stopping. Like, Yeah, I don't think he was trying to really stop. If you watch it, like that doesn't make any sense how you would even stop like that. Maybe in a desperation, but like still. Plus, it was going in. Yeah. He's a veteran player. He yeah. needs to just leave it and he let it He knew what he in. was doing. And yeah, at the end of the day, I think it should, like it probably shouldn't have counted, which it did not. But I still understand where they're coming from. I think the biggest clear thing is they talk about conclu- like it being conclusive to turn like the call on the ice. And the call on the ice was a goal. And I think a lot of people think that wasn't conclusively a distinct kicking motion or whatever. Well, honestly, like it, it was actually kind of comical. I was listening to 630 Chat on the way home. And listening to Reed Wilkins and Rob Brown argue about it, yeah, like Rob Brown's like, there's no way that should have been disallowed. And like it got heated to the point where Reed's like, just, he's like, all right, well, like we disagree. <laughs> it's just like, calm down. Like, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that's what all of the hockey world was after that. Everybody, I was on Reddit and everybody was arguing about it, whether you were a Columbus fan or an Arizona fan, if there are any of those out there. <laughs> Like, they were all arguing whether or not that was goal, but that's the beauty of hockey. <laughs> Fucking ricochet shot out of nowhere. <laughs> hey, they're playing in the college arena. They deserve that. I'm going to shit talk them all year. I can't wait till we get to watch games when they're Edmonton's in Arizona next year, and they're playing in front of 5,000 people in the Arizona yeah. State University fucking arena. Yeah. <laughs> uh. All right, well... Getting very off topic, sorry. No, no, we beat the goal to death. Uh, I think we're on the same page. It should have been a no goal, but it is what it is. It it doesn't lose you the series. It goes to overtime. Uh, I knew as soon as overtime started, I figured... I honestly thought Calgary was going to win it, but I wasn't shocked that it only took, what, five minutes? Um, It was a very, very quick (laughs) end to our suffering. Um... The only the thing that I was just gonna uh, mention is just the the flyby by Goudreau in his own end. Just what the fuck, man! I'm rewatching it as we speak. He had the chance to take the body to dry saddle when he had the puck, or even like go for the puck, even but he just, just stick turned check. away and went up the boards. Just a stick check. Just completely embarrassing. But like, I know McDavid scored that, but he also created the turnover too on that. Yeah, which is, was equally impressive as impressive. Yeah, because that's the type that. The way McDavid's been playing all playoffs, and that's leading by example. You get in there, you forecheck, you create the turnover because that creates chances. Mm-hmm. And, I, oh, and we actually got the puck deep, and I love to see that from Nurse to actually get that in there. Yeah, it was yeah just absolute mayhem. Uh, I know in Calgary, like it was pretty loud. It was pretty loud when they scored, and just to hear like everybody kind of thinking that the world had just ended. Uh, I never saw the celebrations that Connor had until after, like, we obviously left. But where the fuck is Sid Sexero? I want to pull this guy up on the phone and give him a call and see if Connor McDavid still won't put up with this shit. Man. That, that was the most, like, pure amount of happiness I've ever seen in a human being 
ever. Did you see him walking down the tunnel? That's afterwards what I mean. Too, with, yeah, uh, jumping up and down with yeah. uh, Hype Man Shore. Oh, oh my man. god! I just I got goosebumps from watching that. It was <sighs> it was something else. I that's when I think I truly lost my voice was in that moment. That building blew the fuck up. It's so <laughs> fun, like leaving the building, like everybody's chanting, like "Let's go Oilers!" You see people getting crowd surfed out of the arena and stuff like that. Oh man, it was so cool. It was so much fun. I know from my end, like just walking out, there's there's a couple drunk people like around our area, and there's one uh, one asshole Oilers fan that was like trying to taunt everybody. And yeah, I was gonna was say, like, fuck. like on your way out of the arena, did you have to deal with any bullshit from Calgary fans, the, or were they all pretty mellow about it? So, like, I have to give it to Calgary fans; they were really respectful. Obviously, we got chirped, and it was like whatever. But it's a, it's when you're walking out of the arena after you just like beat their team in five games and the only thing they can say to you is like have fun getting swept by colorado it's like okay <laughs> like, have fun golfing i like, mean i think that's what all la fans were saying after we beat la yeah know, calgary have fun getting swept by the flames yeah, yeah. it's like yep yeah that sure happened <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it, it was i have to give it to the calgary fans they were pretty good um obviously the the drunker people got the the more you know obnoxious they got but yeah it I'm sure there wasn't a lot of Flames fan at, fans at Rogers Place. So there was actually one, two rows in front of us. It was just some oh, girl. just one. Yeah, just that was the only one I noticed that was Ooh. near us. And she was a Goudreau fan, and she was like, as soon as he scored that one goal, she was like cheering real loud, and everybody was screaming at her, and she was loving it. And then all of a sudden, Edmonton took the lead again, and she was real quiet after that. <laughs> um, it was funny. I was listening to Goudreau's. Uh, comments after the game, like that guy's on the first plane out of town, right? Like he's he's not coming back. Well, did you see his comments recently? From I think today, I didn't see yesterday? today. I just saw his press conference yesterday. It was, might have been yesterday, where yeah. essentially he's like, I don't. Know, I think everybody says that they're like, I want to be a Calgary Flame. Yeah. Like I, my life is here. Like I'm going to stay. Yep. But then again, that could just be publicly. So when he ultimately gets traded, they're gonna be like, What happened? What did Tri Living <laughs> do? Why is he leaving? But I, I would put money on him leaving, whether it's to Philly or New Jersey. Yeah. I think I could see him see him gone. And honestly, same with Kachuk, because his showing in this playoffs shows that he's not worth his contract. They have to qualify him at like $7.7 million or something like that mm. for at least one year, which is absurd, but they know what they were getting themselves into. That's true. But I don't know. Did you see the, uh, the Flames injuries? For that? Didn't Lucic had an ACL sprain? So here's the list of injuries right okay. here. Zadorov had three broken ribs. Holy shit. Uh, and he had that since the first round. Uh, Tanev had a dislocated shoulder, which he got in. He, oh, yeah, it yeah. was bad and that then it got worse. Pretty average, or, uh, evident, not average. Pretty evident. Yeah. Yeah. Kachuk had something with his hand. I don't know mm. what it was. It just says hand on here. Um, Shillington had a shoulder injury of some sort. Lucic had an ACL joint sprain. An ACL joint sprain. Whatever that means. I didn't anything know your, ACL I though. ACL I don't was want to, a tendon. I thought so too, uh, but I don't want to fuck with anything that with the words ACL in it. That doesn't sound <laughs> yeah, fun. Yeah. Uh, and then Mangiapane had some sort of wrist injury. Um, Tanev is the only one who had to get surgery though, or is going oh. to get surgery this off season. And Markstrom had a vision problem too. Uh, very clearly. Yes. <laughs> wow. I'd say the same about the refs. I. I... I gotta give it to Zadorov. Three broken ribs to play through? Holy Christ. Well, it's like Bergeron when they won the cup or something. He had, I think, three or four broken ribs and a, what was it, a punctured lung. Yeah. Still played lights out. But yeah, Zadorov didn't look 100%, but just because I don't think that uh, pairing of Zadorov and Gabranson weren't as physically intimidating as I expected them to be. I know. I thought Zadorov was off. I, I just thought he was playing bad, but obviously. Well, they might just also be bad. (laughs) Gabranson, too. He was a non-factor, really. I don't even really remember his name. By the way, I think there was some fighting majors, but there was never an actual fight in this series. I was going to bring that up. I was going to bring that up. Yeah. I'm still baffled that there wasn't. Like, I know Lucic wanted to kill Kane once or twice, and there were some close things and some scuffles, but... Nothing that turned into an outright fight. Yeah. Which I never really understood, but I I give props to Kane, especially, for not dropping the gloves with useless players. Oh, definitely. So, like, he could have easily probably fought Lucic, but that's detrimental to the team to have him off the ice and Lucic off the ice now. 
Yeah. If like Kachuk would have came up to him and been like, hey, let's fight, I think Kane would have been all over that. And I know Kane asked him to fight multiple times and he said no. Like Cassian should have been fighting Lucic and then Kane should only be fighting either one of their top pairing defensemen or Kachuk, essentially. I have this theory that Cassian has something going on. I think he's probably at his concussion limit. Yeah. Um after that knockout in the exhibition I think, game? I think so. I definitely think there's a, a pitch count on the amount of fights that he's got left. I mean, I we've seen it with Juju Arcara, how scary yeah. it can be once the floodgate opens on those. Yeah. So I totally understand if that's why, but from a non-bias, like caring about Cassie and the human being, like he's paid too much to bring what he's bringing, right? So... <laughs> Like as a purely statistical, <laughs> I'm just saying a purely statistical point of view. He's overpaid and probably needs to leave in the off season, especially if he not that he isn't playing. If he can't play the way that he should be, then he, we can't afford to pay him what he's getting paid. Nothing against the guy, but no, that's that's a business. We'll cross decision. that bridge at the end of the yeah, season. Let's, all right, <laughs> forty two minutes to wrap that up, but I thought every single second was worth it. Um, because like it was phenomenal. It's probably a night that I will never forget in my life. I went to, I I was lucky enough to go to the uh, second round closeout in 2006 against the Sharks. And that was in Edmonton, but this, that night just topped everything, uh, just to see all the, uh, how happy the team truly was. Um, I'm glad we can finally put Calgary season to bed. Oh man, as much as I was nervous about this series, I like this is what people kept saying is like, yes, it will suck if your team loses, but what if they win? It, Just imagine how good that'll feel. Exactly. Exactly. Well, you said it at the start of the series too, so um let's spend a couple minutes just previewing Colorado. Uh, I don't know what you're going to get out of this series. Uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fast-paced hockey. It's going to be um, transitional for sure, like mm. lots of back and forth, neutral zone stuff going on. Like this team is fast, just yeah. like Edmonton, but they also have a lot of big players and they can play physical if they need to. So I'm obviously nervous about them. <laughs> I've been reading about some uh, some Colorado fans' perspectives and some of them are very concerned about uh, Edmonton's depth on forward, so their bottom three lines. Um, against the bottom two pairings of their defense. So whenever Makar and Taves aren't out there, it's can the other guys hold up against like a Hyman, Kane, Nuge, etc., whoever's not playing with McDavid and Drysaddle. So well, that seems to be their biggest concern anyways. I Honestly, I think the biggest concern for Colorado needs to be their goaltender. Because when you look at the uh, um, saves above expected uh, goals... Yeah. They have the third worst goaltender in the entire like playoffs. So Kemper is playing quite poorly and goals saved above expected. He's he's not yeah he's not saving as many as he should be. So I I think when you look at that and Mike Smith's number three. I mean Mike Smith has been really good. So you can't argue with how well he's played. But I mean I don't know it's gonna my biggest thing I think the Oilers have to compete with is. When you have McDavid going, you usually don't have a fantastic... Well, they haven't up until this point had a fantastic skating defenseman to pair him up against. Yeah. But you're against Kale McCarr. Yeah, well, everybody likes to talk about McCarr, but Devin Taves is a fantastic defenseman too. And they are on the same pairing. So if they're, like, especially when they're in Colorado for these first two games, that's going to... They're going to be stuck to them like glue. There's going to be no escaping that. Yeah, I mean, like... Honestly, take your pick. The one kind of... Eh, I like it when you have your best-on-best matchups, but I think a huge advantage that the Oilers have is the fact that Sam Girard's out. Um, well, like that's the thing, too, is when I was reading those Colorado fans talking about how they're concerned about that, part of it is because Girard's out, and he was having a fantastic um, fantastic series. Yeah. So on their back end for their defensemen, they have Taves, Makar, top pairing. Yep. Then, based off of uh, Daily Faceoff, which I'm looking at right now, then they have Jack Johnson, everybody's favorite defenseman, and Josh Manson. <laughs> I'm actually kind of scared of Manson because I know what he can bring if he's anything like his dad. I was going to say, like, the fact that you have a, a dad-son rivalry going on here, that could be interesting. I think but, that'll be fun. Yeah. I loved uh, I loved the comment from uh, Dave Manson 
to Josh before the game when they were playing game six against St. Louis. He's like, you better win because I need to see my granddaughter. Yeah, that was fantastic. Um, and then their third pairing is Bone Byram, who, fantastic defenseman, but a rookie. So, mm-hmm. And then Eric Johnson, who's on the tail end of his career. <laughs> so, like, he's a good defenseman when he's on, but he can be exploited as well. So I think the their biggest issues are the Johnsons and potentially the youth of Byram showing. Yeah. I, yeah, I think you, you make valid points there. So when you look at the... Uh, like, I have nothing to add on the defensive side. Um, just looking... I'm on the same website, too. <laughs> just looking at the lineups that they have for uh, the forward grouping. Like, I truly believe that you can take line one and two for both teams and just throw them in the wash. So you think this is going to be a battle of the depth? I, I think it's going to show. And my curiosity kind of leans towards how they play McDavid and Dreisaitl again. Are you thinking that they might split them up? Uh, no, sorry. Just like I know that they're giving a lot of uh, McDavid extra shifts. Like uh, on the road in Calgary especially, you'd see them uh, throw him out for the starting shift and then they roll one line and then throw McDavid's line back on there. Like yeah. how much line combination matchups are they going to make? But um, I don't know. It'll uh, uh, It'll kind of depend on how um woodcroft wants to to play that but well it'll uh. be interesting too because i was talking to my buddy and andre burkowski is he's a pure goal scorer right yeah he's currently playing on the third line for colorado but he's been dog shit so if he finds a way to find his game edmonton might be in trouble because obviously colorado is a great team and they have a lot of depth and if Burkowski can get out of his slump, we might be in trouble. Because I remember Burkowski being a huge pain in the ass to Edmonton this season. And even seasons past. He just finds a way to score. Yeah. So I'm a little bit concerned about that. Because we don't really have a huge goal scoring threat outside of our top six. Compared to Colorado, at least. But Well, and you kind of wonder if the Oilers are going to go back to... Uh, no, I'm not going to say the 11-7 and 7 again, but... <laughs> You, you remember the, the stretch where they kind of split up Dreisaitl and then Nuge was playing down on the third line? Yeah. Um, well, that was how we started the playoffs, right? Yeah, you got to you gotta wonder if they're going to try and even it out that way. But My only I, curiosity with that is if Dreisaitl's healthy enough for it. That's what I mean. Because he got absolutely caved in in the LA series like when he was centering his own line. Yeah. I think the goals were like 1-10 to 10 or something like that. And everybody else was positive except for his line. So... And that's the thing that I don't really know. What was your thoughts on Dreisaitl in the last game? Because it might have been my seats, uh, <laughs> but like he looks slow. I mean, for one, he always looks slow. That's Even fair. when he's fast, he looks slow until okay. he gets a random burst of speed. And I think if anybody on this team was going to be injured yeah. the way that Dreisaitl is, I'm not necessarily happy as Dreisaitl, but Dreisaitl is probably the one player, especially with his play style, who it's okay. Yeah. Because he's never been a physical guy. He hasn't really been a fast skater. He kind of just protects the puck and he's still able to do that. Mm-hmm. So if they're if he's able to play his game still, then I'm fine with it. Even look at that overtime goal in game five. All he did was protect the puck on the wall, spin pass to McDavid. Like that's all yep. their line kind of is right now is McDavid will pass a dry saddle in a position where dry saddle can hold the puck for a second for McDavid to get open. Well and I should have used the word, looked like he was laboring, not slow. But I mean, um, yeah. He's been, besides maybe one game in that series, he was looking like he's always laboring. It, it To your point, too, you got to wonder if he does slow the, the game down, like that play like he had in Calgary. Could that be beneficial to what I think is going to be an outright track meet between these two teams? I think it's beneficial, especially because, like, obviously the McDavid line's good in transition, but they need to be able to have good offensive zone time, too, and generate chances that way. So if they're able to do that, then especially off of dry side of, like, people keep talking about how he's injured, but he has 26 fucking points in 12 games, just like McDavid. Jesus. Yeah. It's absolutely absurd. My last question before we get into plus minuses here, um, this is a question that was floated on. Uh, Twitter, and I just wanted to throw that out to you to see if you had to pick a Con Smythe winner right now. Oh, let's let's not even get ahead of ourselves. If you had to pick an MVP, who would eventually win the Con Smythe between? Connor so, McDavid? are you saying if the playoffs ended today, who would win the Con Smythe? No, between McDavid or Drysital. Okay, well, yeah. like 
Yeah, like, it has to be McDavid. Like, yes, Dreisaitl's played well. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say he has not played well. But even all of the goals where Dreisaitl got an assist, it's usually McDavid doing a lot of the work, passing it off to Dreisaitl. He makes a good pass, yes. But McDavid's the one flying around out there doing all of the work. And he's leading by example. He's the captain of the team. He's leading the team in hits. Like, I don't know how you don't give it to him. See, the only reason I would say that is I think he does provide a lot of jump. Um, my argument for Dreisaitl is just that as much as Connor McDavid has done to provide energy to his team in the last two games, and don't get me wrong, I'm just playing devil's advocate here, but he really hasn't been putting up the same the same numbers. He's been kind of shut down. I think he's bailing on pucks uh, when he would normally hold on to them a little bit longer. Yeah. Um, and I think Dreisaitl's been consistent. I think that's the only argument I'd make for Dreisaitl. Well, you can't and he's argue playing injured, with clearly. getting three points a game. Like, yeah, yeah. that's it's unbelievable and consistent. Yeah. So somehow he's consistently unbelievable. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm not saying that he shouldn't win it. But, like, if Dreisaitl was the captain and McDavid wasn't, I would probably say Dreisaitl win it. But if they're even... It's going to be McDavid. It's almost like a legacy thing where they're just going to give it to him. If there was, like, next year and they did the same thing, McDavid won it the year before, Dreisaitl would probably win it. <laughs> like, it's it's similar to how it worked with Pittsburgh, with Crosby and Malkin. And, like, I think Kessel had more points than McDavid did. Or, sorry, Crosby did. Yeah. But Crosby won it anyway. But, like, I know Crosby is also good defensively. So it's hard to argue. But McDavid has been, obviously, the flashier player. So I think he'll get the votes, regardless. And because he has the name recognition on top of it. And let's be honest, the only people that fucking care about that award are the losing team of the Stanley Cup Finals because they're just praying it's one of them. <laughs> so the real question is, if let's just say hypothetically the playoffs ended after this round, okay, um, and Edmonton lost, let's just say, yeah, out of this round, would you give? McDavid and or Dreisaitl, one of them, the Smythe, regardless. So say, for example, we make it to the final. They have 40 points or something like that. The next closest person's at, like, 20. Yeah. Like, but Edmonton if, loses. Would you still give one of them the Smythe? So How do you the, feel about that? So if the players played consistent the way they have up until this point? Yeah. Think yeah, of, like, absolutely. the, I think it was 2003, was it, when Jaguar won it, yep. when they lost? Yep. like. Would you consider giving the losing team the, Absolutely. the Smythe? Absolutely. I don't think Nathan McKinnon, he had... A couple good games. I don't think Nathan McKinnon has been consistent the entire playoffs. Yeah, like say if like this was the final coming up and we yeah. lost to Colorado and McKinnon has a good series, but these guys stayed consistent and scored at two points per game at least. The only person I would think twice about giving it to is Andre Vasilevsky. That's very fair because he's been unbelievable too. I'm I'm actually really happy. Not I guess it didn't really matter as much, but Bennington actually was leading the league in goaltending stats. Even though Ottinger was, I think, save percentage, but oh, he had God, the best yeah. goals against. Yeah. So, like, I'm kind of happy we're not playing St. Louis. Not that he was even playing, though, because Kadri injured him. But, <laughs> um, yeah, ultimately, going back to that, I think McDavid will win unless Drysaddle goes next level. Because mm. you got to remember, Drysaddle has a higher points per game in the playoffs than McDavid does. Yeah. That was one stat I saw is four players going into the series are top 10 in points per game in the playoffs in Drysaddle, McDavid, uh, geez, my brain. McKinnon and Rantanen. I was saying McKinnon and Rantanen at the same time in my head, <laughs> and it was mixing their names together. Rantanen, and it was not going well. Uh, but yeah, I think one thing that I think we haven't talked about yet either is I remember the Toronto Edmonton games. Kadri is going to be all over this team. Yes. Especially McDavid. I was just going to say when you were mentioning after the the injury, I was like, yeah, he's our problem now. <laughs> yeah. I think he's I think he's a big weapon for Colorado. I think he's and he's really come into his own this year offensively too. So he's not just that shut down forward anymore. Mm-hmm. He's like he can do everything. Yeah. Especially yeah. playing with guys like Ranton and Nikushkin. <laughs> I, I you kind of feel for a guy after playing so many years in Toronto under that like scrutiny and basically being driven out of town and um, the fact he can kind of turn his career around and really start, you know, flourishing. Well, now he's got the team and the media behind him instead of the other it, way around. Exactly. He's not the villain anymore. I uh, think that's just part of Canadian media, especially Toronto media. <laughs> like, Edmonton drove people out of town just as much as Toronto has, so I don't like to joke too much about it. No, Rob, and, Rob Brown was fucking talking on the way home about how Pulley Arvey shouldn't be in the lineup. 
I think he should be in the lineup. Yeah, I know. And so, like... Uh, yeah. Ah, I digress. Um, we'll jump into plus minus here. Uh, I um, had a couple thoughts. I didn't know where I was going to go. Um, did I throw you off on a loop? Do you want me to go first while you give it some thoughts? Uh, I have my plus, but yeah, I need a second on my minus. Okay, so I'll just throw out my minus. <laughs> it's not... It's just from the experience I had, so don't get all butthurt, Calgary. Uh, the Saddle Dome is my minus. That barn needs to go. What a shithole. Like, what What a shithole. How are those press-level seats, by the they, way? They actually weren't bad. Um, I... I compare them very much to the uh, Rogers, not Rogers, um, Northlands Coliseum, whatever the hell it used to be, Skyreach Center. Oh, um, Skyreach Center, Rexall Place. <laughs> Rexall Place, yeah. I love um, the Skyreach Center. That was my favorite name. Yeah, um, my dad had uh, season tickets up in that third level, so that was all I was ever used to. So I'd say it's very comparable to that. The only difference is those seats get so steep up there. I was gonna say, how steep would that was that? Because so, you can't see any of you can't see the second or like lower bowl below you, and you can't see them across from you either. Can oh, you? Yeah, you can. Okay. Yeah, yeah you can see uh, half the scoreboard, and mind you, we were pretty low in the third deck. Like I think okay. we were row six or something, but. Um, it, I think if you're up in the top, you can't see shit. Yeah, I, I wouldn't doubt that at all. Um, the funniest thing uh, is like people were... That's the drunkest stadium I've ever seen. Drunkest event I've ever been to. How are the like, beer prices? I don't know. I, I don't know. I think 11 bucks. Well, I guess you were driving, so you weren't drinking. Yeah, but. yeah. Um, but uh, just people were so shit-faced and the stairs are so like slippery from people spilling their beers. <laughs> Like, people were yard sailing it up and down the thing, and, like, I swear to God, people were waking up. There was one guy that slipped beside us, because we were right on the um, on the row. One guy slipped, fell forward, and his head caught the side of a chair and, like, mm. cut his face open. Some guy fell down four rows to the right of us. <laughs> it was just fucking chaos. But um, Calgary, we, we love to hate on you, but you guys deserve something better than that. I mean, there's a reason why I think... Before that, they interviewed Batman, and he's like, "Until they get a new arena, they're not having any events here." Oh my! He specifically God. said that. He's like, "Fuck this thing," and yeah. that was something I was seeing from uh, Calgary fans. Was like, the reason that goal was disallowed is because Batman hates our arena. <laughs> Ugh. But it wasn't the people in it; it's just the building itself. So yeah, that building shit. <laughs> Sean, did you find a minus? Uh, my minus is actually the opposite which is Roger's place. But oh, it's for specifically these watch parties. Okay. It's to me it's so stupid that a ticket is $5 mm-hmm. and a beer is the price of 3 tickets. Oh, uh, yeah. I so it's still like $13 for a beer <sighs> when you pay $5 to get in. Like if I know that they're just trying to make an extra buck and I guess make an atmosphere for fans or whatever, but it just feels a little disingenuous when they're still have full price on everything there it's a little stupid to me i think they should offer like cheaper prices to go with the tickets and like that would make me go to those more i might not go to another one even though i had a blast because those prices were stupid no shit like i i thought i read somewhere that they've already paid back the initial like the return on investment is made 30 times what the initial cost of the building's been already well i'm sure it is but like when you pay 200 bucks for a ticket a $13 beer doesn't feel that bad. But when you're paying $5 for a ticket, it's like if you would go to an Eskimos game yeah. and they're like, here's a $15 beer. And you're like, well, fuck, I don't want to pay for that. It costs more than my ticket. It just feels it feels a little ridiculous. Yeah. But And like, I totally know where they're coming from. But there's one cool thing that I actually heard because I was reading about it. Carolina. So in their arena, they actually brew their own beer. Oh, sweet. So all their beer prices are the same. Except for their uh, their brew that they have that they make themselves, which is five dollars for a pint, so they just sell like that like crazy, which I th- would think it would be a great idea for Rogers if they were to do something like that. Just have their own stuff there along with the extras for people who want it, who want to pay that price, but then have some cheap stuff. I know it's going to be a shit show, but they can make it a light beer. I don't care, but make it cheaper. Yeah. Easy to go broke at those games. Oh, man. I, like, the more I drank, the more I spent to drink more. Well, and and the next thing I know, I think I spent like 100 bucks, And I was like, 
these tickets were five dollars. Why did I spend a hundred dollars? And it really makes you question the people that go and spend like six, seven hundred bucks on a ticket, and then go and add another two hundred bucks to drink and miss half the game. Oh yeah. Well, the, it was funny. There was uh, some of the people we were with. They were they missed the first half of the second period and the first half of the third period because they were out grabbing a drink or Jesus something like Christ. that. I was like, well, I know the tickets were five bucks, but come on, you're still missing the game. Yeah, that's that's a personal choice of my own i don't do any of that during events it's just too much money to miss out on things but i don't know um i'm just gonna jump into my plus of the week and it's kind of shocking we're in episode six to finally be bringing it up but um shout out to ben stelter happy birthday his sixth birthday this week coming on uh the, the tail end of the battle of alberta it was on friday right yes yeah um and the, uh, I, I have to say, like, the Flames were extremely classy dealing with that uh, situation. Um, the uh, I saw that they sent him a, a care package on Friday for his birthday, and then they had the stuff with uh, Kachuk, uh, so very classy. Uh, you can tell this is a huge rallying point for this team. Like, I, I get emotional seeing, like, all of his videos, and I just can't help but, like, break down how this kid's doing. I've been on this earth for 30 planet or 30 planets, been on this earth for 30 years, and this kid's doing, like, tougher shit than I will probably ever do. Um, and so, just, you could see with Drysidle when he sent him that birthday message on, on Twitter, like, he was getting emotional to the point of tears. Um, so, I think he's a huge inspiration not only to the team but to the city and everybody around just kind of realizing like there's so much more to life than hockey and the fact that we're you know able and it's one of the things i I mentioned at the start of this podcast we we want to actually appreciate getting to see Connor mcdavid leon dreisaitl play every single night like it's these kind of things that make you you know realize that even more but uh yeah i hope i hope ben's having a hell of a birthday weekend. Uh, I hope he doesn't listen to our podcast because <laughs> too much, too much uh, uh, vulgar comments. But <laughs> I mean, I'd, I'd love it if you listened. But at the same time, <laughs> yes, we need somebody to start bleeping things out, and that <laughs> takes away from the podcast. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But yeah, shout out to some Flames fans too that I saw that they were they were obviously disappointed their team lost, but they posted something on Twitter, and it was like uh, I think it was the Drake meme or whatever. Where it's like, oh, your team lost. And then the next one, it was like, but Ben gets to see his favorite team move on to the next round. So I'm, I'm glad to see that there, people are able to find that in the middle of all this. Yes, it was a series. Yes, your team lost. But there, like you said, there's things more important. Very well said. Yeah. I don't think we really have anything else to cover. Where's your plus? Uh, oh wait, yeah, my plus. Sorry, I was just, <laughs> I was just, good. I was just reading, and uh, Finland just beat Canada at the World Championship. Oh shit! In overtime. But anyway, uh, my plus is actually to Evan Bouchard. Okay. I know it's a little bit more related to the game than yours was, and now mine feels a little <laughs> dumb. But no. <laughs> I just like to say, like, he's essentially a rookie this year, and he's been playing fantastic. And I, that's all I could really say about him. Like, I know him and Keith have struggled defensively a few times, but considering how young he is, I think he... He, in theory, he could become what Edmonton needs on that right side. If he could, adds a little bit more urgency and physicality to his game, then I could easily see him being like a staple in our top four for the rest of his career if he finds a way to find that element of his game. Yeah, I think he's a has a huge upside. I think um, he was definitely a steal in that draft for Edmonton. And well, it's I, him or Noah Dobson, right? And yeah. Noah Dobson, I think he just kind of cracked their roster in uh, on the Islanders as well. Um, but yeah, I agree. He was ultimately a steal defensively for them. I, I think you're going to see, too, in the years coming, he's going to take more of that role that you uh, you mentioned. And, and to your point, again, like if he can clean up uh, some of those defensive errors, I don't know, just the defensive game a little better. Uh, and, and at like, I really liked him when he was adding that physicality, he was getting a little pissed off. It was nice to see that emotion come out of him. Yeah. I think he's throwing a couple of huge hits during this playoff run in general. And I don't know. I've really appreciated the way he's played. And if I'm being perfectly honest, I think he would do be doing better if he wasn't paired with Keith, but ultimately I think Keith still has given him a lot of confidence in terms of being there and helping mentor him a little bit which I think is going to be exponentially fantastic for his career going forward. Yeah, totally would agree. 
Well, I guess before we, we jump into this, Sean, um, just to reiterate, uh, make sure everybody uh, follows the, uh, the social media accounts, our, our YouTube channel, uh, our Twitter account, send us any DMs that you guys have, um, and, and be sure to subscribe and, and rate the podcast as you listen to it on any platform it is. Um, but uh, Sean, the next time we'll be chatting, uh, I'll be in London. So <laughs> fingers wow. crossed that this works. <laughs> You'll be in London and hopefully we'll be up 3 nothing in this series. Oh shit, that would be beautiful, eh? I would love that. All right, let's go Oilers.